ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Berg. The fantasy football news is coming hot and heavy here on the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Mike Randall here. Scott Burke with me as well. Scott, God bless the news because the fantasy news comes out every day. We have something new. I feel like from now until the end of the fantasy season, every day, some coach will be saying something that's either accurate or completely stupid. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, definitely gives us tons to talk about mini mandatory mini camps getting ready to open up uh, in the next couple of days. Coaches talking, coaches praising everybody under the sun. You know, the 53rd man on the roster is getting praised for his special teams tackling ability, which may lead to, you know, punt returns and all. You just oh you hear all this random nonsense that you hear, but it gives us something to talk about. It gives us tons in our news and notes as we start this uh, podcast tonight in our first quarter. A lot of different things we could touch base on, but yeah, I mean, it's. What is it? You know, second week, the middle of the second week of June, and we got tons to talk about. We're still so far away, it seems like, from real fantasy action, but man, we got a lot to talk about. And this is where we make our money, folks. You follow us, follow myself on Twitter at Randall Rant, follow Scott, S C O T 557, and the podcast at P U T Blitz. You can email the show, P U T Blitz at gmail.com. And we are going to interpret this for you, folks, as we hear the whistle. We go into the first quarter. Scott and I are going to tell you what coach speak, what rumors matter, and what you should ignore. Scott, kick us off here. What do you, what do you got? Yeah, some, some big news early here, or late this afternoon, I should say. You know, despite what the Falcons brass had expected and thought, Julio Jones is a no-show or will be a no-show for mandatory minicamp. He wants a new contract. Falcons brass thought he would show up to minicamp and they'd be able to work it out from there. However, he is not going to show Julio Jones officially a holdout. Are we concerned or is it too early to be concerned? Not concerned if you're a Falcons fan. Not concerned in the NFL landscape. But I am concerned, Scott, if I'm a fantasy football fan. Julio Jones is a player that has not been a big red zone target. He has not scored a lot of touchdowns in his career. Everyone who's mathematically, you know, the math people who follow it, religiously here in fantasy will tell you he will regress, he will regress. Here's what I'm going to tell you. At some point, you have to realize now that we've been through two offensive coordinators, whether it's Kyle Shanahan or whether it's Steve Sarkissian, he's not getting the looks. What you also have to worry about is the injuries with him. He always has a nagging injury. Scott, don't you feel like every week with Julio Jones, it's, you know, he's got a knee, he's questionable. Always. I I will tell you this. This can't make me feel better about drafting Julio Jones in like the mid to late round one. That's what I'll tell you. And we and we sat here last year. It was either your league or the other CBS league that we do. And I was in a position for I think I had the fourth pick overall. And I told you for about I don't know, a day and a half leading up to it that I wanted no, that I just could not draft Julio Jones. The injuries scared me. It just con- continues to scare me. It's fragile to me. And I just in that that position I didn't want to be in. I knew the guy would have wanted it three. I could have wanted or five. I was stuck at four. I ultimately took Julio Jones. Because you're a liar. Because you lie yes, to, I went to the public. That's my what you do. will. <laughs> and it bit me. You know what? It came back and bit me because if you look at him from last year, he had three touchdowns, two in one game, and he had double digit receptions one time. One game with double digit receptions. That's the game against Tampa where he had 253 yards. Outside of that, pedestrian numbers for a guy who's supposed to be an elite wide receiver. So, yeah, not so much does the holdout worry me, but his complete you – know, the fragileness that he has as a big-time wide receiver and the, the lack of looks inside the red zone is something to worry about as well. And some people will tell you, partner, not to worry because he'll have those 52 weeks, you know, blow-ups. I don't want that. I don't want that. I mean, he's been fairly consistent. He gets the high yardage. I will say that. But I want consistency and I want the touchdowns. The one thing that saved Julio is that he has the big yardage, so he has a high floor. If he were to get hurt and he's not scoring touchdowns, that's going to look like a round one bust to me. Next one, Greg Bell of the News this past weekend that Chris Carson was the best Seahawks player he saw in organized team activities. Those are OTAs. Carson was the seventh round draft choice last year. He's back. He's bigger. He looks faster. He was the starting tailback for the first month last year. He broke his leg, damaged ankle ligaments when they beat Indianapolis on October 1st. He went on the IR. Rashad Penny, Pete Carroll was saying he's a three down back. Now we hear Carson is the best player in OTAs. What do you make of Seattle? I make of Seattle that this musical chairs and the running back, uh, 
you know, position there for Seattle has followed us from last year. They can't make up their mind. It's way too early to really try to figure this out. And Rashad Penny, they drafted with the idea that he could be a three-down back. Yes, Carson looks great in OTAs. He looked great last year. Couldn't stay healthy. I'm sure he's got a role on this team. I'm sure Penny gets first crack unless he absolutely bombs in the minicamp, bombs in, in during uh, preseason and so forth. So I, I still think Penny's going to get the first crack here. Carson could be a nice complimentary back, possibly. Maybe get involved special teams-wise, returns, whatever it may be. But for the time being, you know, you drafted Penny for a reason. Just like all the other, other teams last year drafted these guys, Mixon, Cook, so forth. Mixon didn't pan out. Cook did. You're hoping Penny pans out if you're Seattle. He's got to get the first crack uh, as long as he stays healthy. If he doesn't, then maybe Carson gets involved. Fascinating dichotomy here. Chris Carson, 6 feet, 218. Rashard Penny, 5'11", 220. So Penny a little shorter, a little bigger. Both don't have great BMIs. Penny is faster, 4'4", 6 in the 40-yard dash. Carson, 4'5", 8". Carson on playerprofile.com, massive burst score. Really hits those holes well. 127.9, percentile. Rashard Penny, only 115.3, 32nd percentile. Carson is stronger. Penny was a stud at San Diego State. He dominated everything. You got to pick your poison here. I don't know. It sounds like an RBC to me. Yeah, it, it does, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But you know, maybe one of these guys will run with it. But right now, it's a tough. It's an again, it's just another situation like it was last year. Almost want to stay away just altogether. How about Devonte Booker? Quote: Going to get a heavy dose of work. Well, that's 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 what we're hearing out of Denver. Mike Killis of Nine News Denver suggests that Booker's going to get a heavy dose of work in that backfield. The Broncos did draft Royce Freeman at number 71 overall, but he's not going to be gift wrapped any starting duties. And according to the Denver Post, the number two running back position behind Booker has even yet to be determined. Booker falls to double-digit rounds in most fantasy drafts. Could he be worth scooping up? I don't think so. I, I think Booker has had his chance. You can argue, partner, with C.J. Anderson there that he never really got to see what he could do. He was a dominant running back and receiver at Utah. He had a 14.3% 90th percentile college target share. So he caught a lot of passes. He was involved in the offense. He has 4.58 speed. He's 26 years old, 5'11", 220. Here's what's going to happen. No one's drafting Devontae Booker because everyone's on the Royce Freeman bandwagon right now. What you can do if you're savvy is you can draft Booker late when he does well, you can trade him to the Royce Freeman owner and see if you could switch it. Because I don't see a way that Devontae Booker is the bell cow back for this team for 16 games. He's either going to get injured or Freeman's going to beat him out. Well, listen, I mean, this is what's his now third year for Booker. He's had other people to deal with in the backfield. CJ Anderson, even last year they had Jamal Charles. So it's always been a crowded situation for him. Maybe now without there being as much back there, you know, with him being the quote-unquote veteran now at three years and Freeman coming in, maybe there is value there. Maybe he takes the ball and runs with it. You, you know, it, it's a situation for me it's worth monitoring to look at. He's got talent. He's got ability. Maybe given the right situation. And now you bring Case Keenum, who was able to manage things in Minnesota last year. The running backs had nice years, both McKinnon and Murray. We know what Cook was doing before he got hurt. Maybe with more of a game manager back there, maybe Booker does get a quote-unquote heavy dose of work. Other thing to think about, Booker was a fourth-round pick. Royce Freeman was a third-round pick. So just keep in mind, listen, you know the way it is. Suppose you're a coach in Denver, right? You're coming in. You're not going to praise the rookie right away, and you sure as heck aren't going to praise him if he's a third-round pick, right? I think this is make the rookie earn it, and I think he will on the field. Did you see the Quincy Anunua gif I happened to put out this weekend of him jumping vertically over a tackling dummy? Robbie Anderson, Terrell Pryor, who's the QB? Does it matter? Are you impressed with that gif I put out about Quincy Anunua? I absolutely saw it. Very impressed because, listen, I tried yesterday in my slow pitch softball league to get up that high and get the line drive <laughs> and hit the tip of my glove. So I don't have the same height and hops Quincy Anunwa does. So good on him to get up there. I Listen, it's impressive. He's physically gifted. Most of these guys are physically gifted. Doesn't mean I'm running to draft him as a jet number one wide receiver. No, absolutely not. We have to see how this plays out. Robbie Anderson, does he get his head on straight? Terrell Pryor, does he have a bounce back? The quarterback? It's I, to me the quarterback. If 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 healthy, Bridgewater gets first crack. I think we do see Sam Darnold at some point in time. I think Josh McCann will be there as a uh, you know a coach with a helmet on, so to speak. So right now, what does it mean to me? It means he can jump really high. And right now, that's about it for me on Quincy Anunwa. Julian Edelman officially suspended for quote an unrecognizable substance. Can you tell me what that means? 
I mean, it's not good is, is what it means. I, I think Edelman, though, be careful. I think he's a buy here. I mean, I think when he comes back, they're going to need receivers. And, you know, New England sometimes gets off to a bad start, right? So he's out for four games. I could see them struggling. Everybody's going to get desperate if they lose a couple of games. Remember a few years ago when they got knocked around by Kansas City? Jamal Charles had a million touchdowns, I think, on that on that Monday night game, whatever it was. So Edelman is going to be a part of this team. I believe that. This just pretty much knocks him down. If you want to get him in seasonal and put him on your last pick on your bench, it's fine. But unrecognizable substance, not good. ESPN's Rob Domofsky writes that Ty Montgomery appears set for a significant role in the offense. Is this Charlie Brown with the football again? <laughs> Listen, what position is Ty Montgomery playing? Is he definitely a running back? Is he going to line up a wide receiver? Do, I mean, you remember, a- do you remember last year? I loved Ty Montgomery. I targeted Ty Montgomery in every one of my drafts. I'm. This is like the girl with the curls. I'm not going back to him. Yeah, yeah, you were all over Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was fun until he got hurt. He had a couple. I know he had a couple of big games early on. People started clamoring for trades. Then all of a sudden he gets hurt, and then Ty Montgomery. We never, we, we hardly knew you. Listen, if he's going to be a wide receiver, I think he's got some value. If he's going to be a running back, what are we? We're going to go three running backs here. Is it going to be first, second, third down? We're just going to keep rotating. If that's the case. That hurts value for all three of them for me. So, listen, find me a significant role. Tell me a significant position first, and then I can tell you what it'll be. Last year, he started 93 total yards and a touchdown. He was the RB7 week one. 110 total yards, two touchdowns, RB2 week two. After that, 50 yards, no touchdowns, 28 yards, no touchdowns, 31 yards, no touchdowns, and then it went downhill from there. But he looked good to start, baby. Oh, my goodness. Between that and Mike Gillsley, three touchdowns, I was on fire to start the season. So what are you telling me? Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams had more more yards in a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers than Ty Montgomery that did for game. about first seven why weeks. Do you, why do you do this to me? Well, I because don't want like to do this. That game against Pittsburgh, that is absolutely was- infuriating. <laughs> But I'll tell you this, it's going it's to drive down Aaron Jones' value. And I still think Aaron Jones is the back to own. But you're going to see this all over the place. They like Ty Montgomery. Is it possible he's going to block my Randall Cobb shares? Could that be it? Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> Randall Cobb. 50 catches Randall Cobb. <laughs> What's next? Chargers offensive coordinator Ken Wisenhunt suggested Melvin Gordon. Yes. Could yeah. be a bigger part <laughs> Of the passing game in 2008. You know, it's a good thing he's going to be a bigger part of the passing comes, game. There it comes. Because that yard per carry number is really going to drag down fantasy owners. So if he can pick up a couple of catches to make up for that 1.8 per carry, that'll be great if you if you draft Melvin Gordon in the top 15 of your fantasy drafts. Hunter Henry's out for the year. We don't know what's going to happen at tight end. You say Virgil Green. I still think Gates shows up at some point in time. They think they can do different things with Melvin because he's become such a good receiver out of the backfield. This is what Ken Wisenhunt said. It's been a real bonus, to, you know, a real bonus than what we've had in the past. You know, two guys, Gordon. You also have Austin Eckler, and their adaptability and flexibility can help them both get some action on the field. And Gordon increased. He saw 83 targets last season. An increase is going to be minimal, but still, if you can turn those targets into more catches, definitely a fantasy boost. How excited are you for Melvin Gordon? Scat back. If if in my redraft, and you know it's funny, we'll talk about this in the fourth quarter. We're in a best ball dynasty uh, football oh, fantasy Jack. expert Jack. Yeah, draft we got going on right now. I'm not going to get him with pick five. I will tell you this: who's draft? If I six, pick, by the way, I'm just curious. Oh, you? I think you yeah. are. Back to we're going to block each other. If I'm picking Scott like seven or eight in a twelve team redraft. I am absolutely looking to get Melvin Gordon. You guys can dump on him. You can tell me he's 2.5 yards a carry. I don't really care. The guy gets volume and volume is king. You, you hate him. I'll tell you right now. He is a secure. He is the second most secure running back to me in fantasy and redraft besides Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. You're going to tell me That's I'm not? Because you, you have a new offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. You don't know how Le'Veon Bell's going to be. You have no what idea. What about the guy in, in L.A.? I just think there's going to be some regression there. I get and it. What about, think, oh, so how about a healthy David Johnson? Yeah, how about David Johnson with, with, a, with a bad offensive line? I know it's a little bit improved and the new quarterback, the whole thing. Let's take it easy with David Johnson. I know your wrist injury. It's not a leg injury. I understand that. Put it this way. I'll give you Gurley. Gurley, Zeke, and Gordon. I love Melvin Gordon. He's my guy. Anybody else, Le'Veon Bell's wearing New Orleans Saint uh, colors right now. You give me Le'Veon Bell too, but because it's black and gold, it's no bueno. No, I think if Le'Veon Bell kept Haley there, I would probably argue something differently, which we're going to talk about in the second quarter. But he doesn't get a lot of touchdowns, partner. 
You got to admit, Le'Veon Bell's touchdowns are not as high as you would like. He gets five bazillion catches, okay? He has tremendous overall yards, and he's been healthy. I will give him his health has been very good. I'll give you But I just believe I want to see the touchdowns. I want to see student body right at the goal line. And I know I'll get that Melvin. We'll get to that second quarter. A couple more left. Colts Naheem Hines. He's a very popular rookie. People like him. Say he's explosive. He was serving as the team's primary kick returner in OTAs. This gave me a flashback to Amir Abdullah. The Colts were not good with kick return yardage. They had Quan Bray, who was the main kick returner last year. Hines is a Swiss Army knife. He's got all-purpose yards from scrimmage, this and that. They're talking about taking advantage uh, from Mac as he's recovering from shoulder surgery. So people like Hines, but he's only 5'8", 198. He's not going to be a three-down carrier. I'm going to throw something to you. Tell me if I'm nuts. I don't think this is a positive. People are going to read this in the fantasy community and say, oh, Hines is explosive. I don't want the running back on my seasonal leagues returning kicks. No, absolutely not. I, I don't want that. So to me, he's not the goal line back. And when Mac comes back, I think Mac's going to be a part of it. I have to tell you, this is leading me to say that Naeem Hines is being massively overdrafted. No, I mean, absolutely. He is being overdrafted. Look, they could, if Marlon Mack continues to stay out as he recovers from surgery, and, you know, and Hines is the only game you're going to see in town, we know what Bob, we know what Bob Turbin is, right? We understand that. We know what he is. So when you look at Hines getting all this action and getting the, the kick return and OTAs and moving all over the field and so forth, that's great. It's still June 11th as we record this podcast. So there's plenty of time here for Marlon Mack to come back assume the role that we expect him to to take over in this Colt offense and give Hines a chance to kind of, you know, find his way, get a couple of touches here and there. I, I think it's massively overrating some guy right now as we look, you know, in the middle of June. We haven't seen him on the field. The size, it's not there, you know, to be a bell cow back, like you said. So let's let, let's slow our roll a little bit on Naeem Hines. We could be wrong, but let's let's just let's slow it up a little bit here as we uh, in the middle of June. Carlos Hyde is the early favorite to open up the season as the Cleveland Browns starting running back. The veteran gives him the edge over the second round. His veteran status gives him an edge over second rounder Nick Chubb. His contract probably playing a role in this as well as they gave him $5 million guaranteed this offseason, which was a bit of a surprise considering where the Browns are drafting. They may, may be expected him to go Squaw Barkley pre-Carlos Hyde signing. We know they didn't. They ultimately took Nick Chubb later on. Chubb expected to spell Hyde early in the season, but how short of a leash does Carlos Hyde have if he does enter the season as the number one back for Cleveland Browns? I think this is the classic case of Cameron Brait versus O.J. Howard. Last year, everybody expected O.J. Howard to come in because he's a superior athlete and take away targets and touchdowns from Cameron Brait. Now, he had a couple big games, but Brait was consistent the whole year as well and was an annoyance. Carlos Hyde is a very solid running back. He is six feet, 230. He can catch the ball. He's been solid. He's from Ohio State where he had a, a big part in that offense. 4.62 speed at his size is pretty darn good. He had 88 targets last year, which was fifth across all running backs at the position. I don't think Carlos Hyde is going anywhere. I think I think rookie running backs, we've talked about this, unless you have massive draft capital, you're Leonard Fournette's. Saquon Barkley is going to have a lot of opportunities. I think Carlos Hyde is going to start the year as the starter. I think he's going to get the ball at the goal line either way. And I think Carlos Hyde is undervalued right now, at least in the beginning of the year. And I think Nick Chubb is being overdrafted unless you're in Dynasty. And let's remember last year, how many weeks – did we was everybody waiting for Matt Brieta to take the job away from yes, Carlos Hyde? Yes, How many yes, weeks? Every week yes, I felt yes, like, is this yes, week? Is this yes, week? That's and it, it never right. happened. So now you're in a different situation. Carlos Hyde produces. I think he's I think he's gonna be all right to uh to draft in your fantasy Carlos Hyde. I think he's gonna be solid production here with the Browns. What do you give him? Two touchdowns in week one? <laughs> two t- <laughs> I don't know about that one. Maybe I'll give him, maybe I'll give him 110 total yards. Boy, you know it's a different year, partner, when we have back-to-back Browns notes, and this will be the last one here for quarter one. Scott Petrack believes that Jarvis Landry will be used more downfield than he was with the Dolphins. Never had an average depth of target higher than eight yards, but he is in Cleveland, and they're looking to open him up down the field with offensive coordinator Todd Haley. Thoughts on this? Yeah, my thoughts are I'm going to believe it when I see it. Um, you know. Todd Haley will take his deep shots. You know, we saw that a lot with Martavis Bryant in Pittsburgh. Even Antonio Brown ran those deep routes, so he'll take his ch- chances. Yeah, I don't know if Landry can be the guy to really be successful running these routes down the field. Um, I got to see this first. I got to see a little bit more of it. I see a little bit in preseason. I mean, to me, 
I think we both agree Jarvis Landry is going to have a down year in Cleveland. We like Josh Gordon. We like the the running back weapons that they have. So I think this is a tough fit for Landry. Um, I wouldn't bank on this uh, being all that successful for Jarvis Landry. First thing that popped in my head when I saw this, I can clean the floor with a toothbrush also. It doesn't mean that it's efficient. You can send Jarvis Landry you want down the field. I think that this is just another sign that Jarvis Landry is being overdrafted. Here we go. Whistle in second quarter. This is going to be fun, folks. So I put an article out on Last Word on Pro Football. Scott and I both write for them. Absolutely great site. And I put out what I believed. And I don't write stuff as hot takes. I write what I what I believe. And it was that after my research, Ezekiel Elliott should be your number one overall pick in PPR or standard in seasonal leagues. My rationale was very straightforward. And then, Scott, you chime in. Tell me if you feel there's another guy who should be there or whether you think I'm totally nuts. Whatever. I, I broke it down this way. I said his stats over the first two seasons have compared very favorably. Let's face it, in any, in pretty much any format, your first pick is either overall is either going to be Zeke, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, or Todd Gurley. That's it. You're not taking, I don't think you're taking DeAndre Hopkins over these guys, even if it's point per reception. So when you compare his first two seasons, he has the most total yards, 129.9 over those two years. Then Le'Veon Bell did his first two years, David Johnson, or especially Todd Gurley. The receptions are third. Le'Veon Bell, tremendous one receptions per game his first two years. Zeke, only 2.32. But keep in mind that now he has to be a bigger focal point of the offense. What I thought was very interesting is he has scored a touchdown for every NFL game he's played. And the only person who did that in his first two seasons was David Johnson. My other thoughts, his offensive line, of course, has ranked second and fifth as per player profiler on run blocking efficiency. Other teams have good offensive lines as well, but his has been consistent one of the top five over a long period of time now. They have great returning players. You had Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, all three are Pro Bowl linemen. You're talking about a very solid offensive line there. I'll talk about game script with Ezekiel Elliott. Over the last two seasons, Dallas has has 979 rushing attempts. That is the same amount as Buffalo. They've run the ball the most out of anyone, 979 times. That's more than Carolina, who's third, New England, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, etc. And you look at who they have coming back in the receiving game. They have Terrence Williams, who I think is terrible. They have Cole Beasley, who, as you said last time, pretty much just had one good season. Deontay Thompson from Buffalo hasn't done much. They bring Tavon Austin over, who's a scat back. They brought in Alan Hearns, who had the one season where he had the massive touchdowns. They lost Jason Witten. They lost Des Bryant, who accounted for over 30 red zone targets. Michael Gallup from Colorado State is in, but according to Marcus Mosier, who's the Dallas Cowboy Insider, they don't see him ready to take that lead X role. And my last point here, or two things rather, I went back over the last two seasons and it is next to impossible to repeat as a top five fantasy running back. Maurice Jones-Drew did it, Peterson, LaShawn McCoy, Arian Foster for three years in a row, Ray Rice, Marshawn Lynch for three years in a row, Forte, and your guy, Le'Veon Bell. But no one in the last 10 years, has repeated as the top overall running back two consecutive years. Sean Alexander did it two years in a row. Then LaDainian Tomlinson did it two years in a row. And nobody's done it since. Not with this change away from the student body left, student body right running game. We're now in a passing game and no one has repeated. And if you throw in the final thing, which is their end of season fantasy schedule, where we discussed last time, partner, that Dallas is home weeks 12, 13, 14, and 16 to me. The Dallas Cowboys star running back, Ezekiel Elliott, who you know I don't like, should be the number one overall pick in seasonal leagues. Hey, listen, your article was a great piece. You made plenty of uh, very, very solid points here. And listen, if you're looking at a standard fantasy league, I can wholeheartedly agree with you that Ezekiel Elliott, you can make the case that could be definitely the number one pick overall. But when you go to a PPR league here, I don't care if his catches increase. It does not matter. You have to look at a guy like Le'Veon Bell. And just from a comparison standpoint, let's just talk. Let's start with the with the receiving aspect. Since 2014, Bell's played 49 games. His catch rate over those four seasons, 79%, 92.3%, 79.8, and 80.2. And these are on targets, 105 targets, 
2015 injured, only at 26 targets, and 94 and 106 targets, which means for those catch rates, he's catching 80 balls, he's catching 75 balls, he's catching 80 balls again. He's consistently catching passes out of the backfield. He's running routes downfield. He's cutting routes, screen passes. It does not matter. He's a dual threat. I know you hate, absolutely hate his wait-and-see Running style, it drives you up a wall when he's sitting there waiting for the lanes to open and the cars to move. It drives you nuts, but it's worked for him. He's averaged over 20, 20 carries per game. His yards for scrimmage, he's had three seasons. The three seasons he's been played, at least 12 games or more, you're looking at 1,880, 1,946, and 2,215 yards from scrimmage back in 2014 in his first full season in the NFL. And last year, 1,946, he's finished twice. As the number two overall player, 2014 and 2017 fantasy player, and in 2016 was number five. So, yes, it's tough to repeat in the top five. He's done it three out of the last four years. The only year he didn't, he missed games due to suspension. So when you look at that there, he's been ultra consistent on the field. You see, you break it down in your article here, he's averaging 4.41 receptions per game over the last two seasons. The yardage is there at 120 total yards. It's less. He's got the receptions. Elliott's got the yards by 10 and the touchdowns more. Yeah, the touchdowns you want to see more of, and I think you're going to see some more as we change the guard here with the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, Todd Haley, out. We make changes on the offense there. A lot of different things. He led, he's been top 10 three times in touches, led the NFL last year with 406 touches. Now you could say maybe he regresses, he's holding out, so forth, but he did that last year too. He came season and it's like he didn't miss a beat by missing the, the uh, preseason at all snap share was number one last year opportunity share number one he was number one in carries number two in targets he was number one in red zone touches for running backs i mean he's just he was top five in everything just ultra consistent i love ezekiel elliott this year i think he's gonna have to really pick up the load i know we're not big des bryant guys but regardless you take him out of that offense like you said you highlighted the wide receivers i think alan hearn steps in i don't think he puts up Superstar numbers, but I think he steps in and becomes a solid number one for the Cowboys. But Elliott's going to have to take on even more, and it's now we're going to find out if he really if he can carry this load even more. Now it's going to be a heavier load on his shoulders. It's more expected out of him. You know, for me, it's just the consistency is there for both of them. But that ability for Bell to catch 85 passes a season and turn more yardage and into potentially more touchdowns just gives me. You know, the inkling that I'm going to take Bell over Elliott, especially in PPR leagues. Like I said, standard, I could see where you're going because you, know, you take away those 80 catches and those points, it could be a big difference. But for me, PPR, I'm taking Bell all day over Elliott. You know, I, I certainly can't argue this. I'd love to come back to you, but I'm going to keep it 100 here on the Picking Up the Blitz podcast. In PPR, if you want to choose Bell, I, I have no problem with that. And listen, we're splitting hairs, but that's what we have to do here. You, I can't just sit back and redraft and say, well, you know, Le'Veon Bell had 80 receptions every freaking year. So, I mean, so he's the number one. I, I'm sorry. I have to go a little deeper than that. They have a different offensive coordinator. When they had Todd Haley, he wasn't getting a lot of touchdowns. Even if he gets more touchdowns, I don't think he's a lock to get the same amount of receptions. This is a different guy calling the shots. I think Le'Veon Bell is very safe. I think he's a wonderful running back. He's going to score a lot of points. But if Dallas is going to do anything this year, anything at all, it's got to be centered around Zeke. And if I make my first round pick, I want to know when they get near the goal line, he's getting the ball. You don't know that with Le'Veon Bell. You have no idea. And they haven't proven to be that great of a run-blocking unit. He's very patient. They go with the spread. He gets passes out of the backfield. He gets shovel passes, direct snaps, whatever they can do with Le'Veon Bell. But I think if you throw in Zeke's line and you throw in the fact people are going to tell you that he wasn't a good receiver out of the backfield, that's baloney. He had 26 receptions in 10 games last year. That projects to be 41-42 receptions. Losing Witten and losing Des Bryant, you want to make that 50 receptions? 50 receptions with the type of touchdown volume he's going to get is going to give him a very high floor. I'll throw in the fact that no one repeats, so I'll take Todd Gurley out. I like Elliott a little bit better than the rest. Who, who, who's getting the goal line touches in Pittsburgh if it's not Bell? I mean, I don't he, know. Led, he led the league in red zone touches last year. He led the I league mean, in red zone for? touches. He did not lead the league in goal well, line touches. So tell me, tell me, who's getting at the goal line? I don't who's know, get, but why hasn't James, Le'Veon... James Conner? Explain to me why... Jalen Samuels? Explain to me why Le'Veon Bell only had nine rushing touchdowns last year. He gets five million Well, counts. because they throw the ball a lot, too. Okay, but, so you they know, throw the ball but a lot. That so maybe that's what I mean, they're going to do. 
So, so if he gets nine touchdowns but has 80 catches and Elliott gets 12 touchdowns but has 40 catches, I mean, aren't we looking at the same thing here? It's like apples and oranges. Whoa, whoa, I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're, you're projecting more. I'm just, let's just say that. I mean, he's had 80 catches twice in the past four years and 70 catches or 65 catches, whatever it was, the other year that he played at least 12 games. So if you're just looking at history, you look at trends, that's what he's done consistently. So, What's to say, other than a new offensive coordinator, who, by the way, has been in the system and in the organization, they didn't go outside the organization, he just got promoted inside the organization, he was already there, he already knows what he has to work with, he knows what these players are capable of, so what do you, why will all of a sudden he go from 80 to, to 50 catches? He had, he had Todd Haley, who centered everything around Le'Veon Bell. They gave him 321 rushing attempts last year, which led the league. Despite having 321 rushing attempts, he only had nine rushing touchdowns. He has never in his career, five years ever, had double-digit touchdowns. What makes Le'Veon Bell gold in fantasy is his receptions, 45, 83, 26, he was injured, 75, 85. I'm with you on that. But I think it's fair to say that he's a guy, he does not have great burst. He's not a student body left guy. He's a guy that's got to get passes out of the backfield. He's not fantastic in terms of rushing. Give me the ball and I'm just going to pound it 20, 30 times a game. That's what Ezekiel Elliott does. And most importantly, the Dallas Cowboys success is contingent upon Zeke Elliott being the focal point. You have the bet one of the best wide receivers in the history of the game there. You have a quarterback that likes to sling it. We got Juju making videos with Peter Overzet for the draft kit. You have more options. Zippo options in Dallas. Zippo, their total tight ends I put in the article have five receptions as, as a group. You have Vance McDonald, who I know you think is a sleeper, because anytime anybody tweets anything positive about Steeler, you're going to retweet it. If you like Vance McDonald to have a decent year, and you like Antonio Brown to be the number one receiver for the 30th five million time in his career and you like Juju Smith-Schuster to have a good contribution you can't tell me with a different offensive coordinator you're a little concerned that Bell takes a small step back I mean what's a small step back 10 less catches you I mean give me your projection on Elliot how many touches he score 20 is he getting 20 touches I think he's safe for 15 total so 15 touch how many catches at least 50, maybe 55. So at least 50, maybe 55. Yeah, so yeah. let's say Bell, let's, last year he had 41 if you play 16 games, and now there's no Des Bryant and Jason Witten. So you say 50 and 15, yeah. and I'd say 10 and 80. You're looking at the exact same number. So we're splitting apples and oranges. No, it's, because it's, I think Zeke could have like 1,800 rushing yards. That's the difference. Yes, because <laughs> well, I, I think they have to sl- – I think he's got to have an O.J. Simpson-like year for this team. That, here's my point. If you're the Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator, Scott, what's your plan? Oh, we're going to get Alan Hearns about 80 catches this year. We're we get it. We know what the Gathers. plan is. You're going to do what basically Pittsburgh did with, with Le'Veon Bell last year. You're going to blast Ezekiel Elliott until he dies. I think they. I think with the contract thing could be a small issue for him. And listen, I think Le'Veon Bell's a wonderful player. But I think if Le'Veon Bell's three, which would be three years in a row for top five, which has been done, it's been done by Marshawn Lynch, okay, it's certainly reasonable. I think that Zeke is number one. I do. I think when the season's over, he's going to be number one. I'm not telling you Bell's going to be seven. I think Zeke's going to be Listen, no, and I, I agree. And I'm not telling you it's going to be seven either. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like I said earlier, standard league, I all in. You can take Elliott one, no questions asked. PPR, I still think Bell ahead of Elliott. But again, you look. the difference is one, two, yeah, three, yeah. four tops. But to each is their own. You have a preference. Me, even if I, I'm – let's take the – quote unquote bias out of it. If he's in a different uniform and he's put up these same exact numbers in the same exact system, I'm gonna lean Bell because he gives you know, he's proven he can catch eighty passes. Elliot has not proven he can catch fifty, fifty five. Yeah, that's fair. So that's fair. Let's see that. Okay. That's fair. Folks, let us know on Twitter at PUT Blue Two side with Zeke or Bell or just somebody else at number one overall. Sliding into the third quarter here. We're doing breakout candidates in third quarter. Breakout candidates let me know, partner. Let's start. We'll go position by position. QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Talk to me. Breakout QB candidate. Breakout quarterback candidate here. I mean, this is everybody and their mother feels the breakout. But Jimmy Garoppolo, we saw what he did last year down the stretch. He was, you know, five, six games with the 49ers was just unconscious at times. Brought that, that organization back from the dead. Showed life with the arm. Had good connection with his receivers, especially Marquise Goodwin. I think now you get healthy Pierre Garçon back. You reach for Pettis in the draft. You have the running back situation now with McKinnon. 
this is a good spot for Garoppolo. I'm not really breaking any news here, but when I looked at breakout candidates, I could have went with a couple of guys that you may talk about as well. But for me, Garoppolo is just, it's a safe breakout here. I don't think he's going to, I don't want people to draft him at quarterback five. You know what I'm saying? But he's projected about quarterback 11. Could he be top eight for me? I think he can find a spot in the quarterback seven, quarterback eight situation, which will offer great value from where you're going to draft him. Listen, you're going to get an amen from the congregation over here. Jimmy Garoppolo right now, like you said, eighth round, QB eight. He's going to be a top five QB this, this year. You can lock it up. I saw enough in those games. I'm going to be impressed with him. Kyle Shanahan, the offense, they were hot at the end of the year. The idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is being drafted behind Cam Newton is absolute, complete, idiotic fantasy football drafting. Jimmy G is a top five quarterback. He's available in round eight. I don't even think you put Deshaun Watson ahead of him. Are you really sure that Deshaun Watson is going to keep up that sort of efficiency? Partner, I think this was a fantastic one. My two QBs, nothing major here. I love Patrick Mahomes. I love Mitchell Trubisky. I think I like the reports coming out of Kansas City that Andy Reid is going to try to structure things to what Mahomes is really good at. You know what he's good at? You've all saw the Twitter gifts, slinging the ball down the field on the reckless abandon. So he's going to have a lot of high interception games. But I think he's going to be very, very successful. Andy Reid's a great coach. I also like Mitchell Trubisky, Scott, to do a Jared Goff-esque response this year. He has a tremendous amount of weapons. Nagy's coming over from Kansas City. I am not telling you Mitchell Trubisky's going 300 yards. What I'm telling you is he's a sneaky runner, and he's going to have short to intermediate route success. I like Chicago to bounce back. I think they're really good values. They're late in the draft. They're basically free in your redraft. Really late. I kind of like both of those guys. Running backs, next position. Talk to me. Alex Collins, for me, I think is a breakout candidate here. Uh, you know, Finished last year as an RB16. Let's keep in mind, he saw, he didn't see any real action until week five when he got the opportunity to really take over the lead backs for the for the Ravens and if you projected his stats from the whole seat based on what he did week five on for the whole season he projects as a thousand yard rusher with eight t- eight touchdowns and 33 catches that would have made him an RB12 in PPR leagues so for me you're going to give Alex Collins a chance now from the get-go here to be a lead back with the Ravens I know Kenneth Dixon's coming back from you know an injury and people were high on Dixon last year but we saw what Collins can do he was a hard runner you cannot knock the effort. I see, especially watching the AFC North games, which I've seen multiple, you know, all the time with the Steelers, the Bengals, and so forth. Runs hard. He's got some good ability, some good burst, and he, he's a very productive back. He, he was very productive. He went from being cut from the Seahawks, who last year could the Seahawks use a back like Alex Collins? I think they could have. You give him that pace that he would have put up. Right now, he's at RB18. His ADP's 48th overall. He's going behind guys like Kenyon Drake, who you know I'm down on. Jordan Howard, you know I like Jordan Howard. Joe Mixon's there. Jarek McKinnon, LaShawn McCoy, who could have a back, a little bit of a back year as he gets older. I think Collins has the potential to be a top 12 running back if he can run with this out of the gate and shrug off the Kenneth Dixons and the Javorius Allens. And then Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, listen, a lot of hype last year. Never really got rolling. There's Jeremy Hill there. Giovanni Bernard is still there. This is Mixon's chance here to be a lead back. Second year in the league. He knows the system better. He's got the talent and the ability. So Joe Mixon, for me, has a chance to be a breakout candidate. I know, again, not breaking any news. Mixon's going to be drafted like a running back that people are looking for production from. But for me, you know, it, you, it's tough. You can really reach. You look like you're reaching for a couple guys that you'll get to in a second. But I think Collins is a real safe value play here. I think his ADP is an RB18. He could definitely crack a top 12. I'm going to go one-on-one. I totally agree with Mixon. I think volume is king. That's very important. I totally agree with that. I'm not sold on Alex Collins. I think this smells like Justin Forsett. I think you have to be very careful here. I I think Dixon could be an issue as well. He's one that I'm very, very leery of, but I do like the Joe Mixon one. For my two guys, I have two. I have Donta Foreman, who people are forgetting now because he's coming off the Achilles tear. I was impressed with what I saw the eye test. I saw those two touchdowns before he tore his Achilles there in that game when he was going in for two at home. Carrion Johnson is my other one. I am not a Carrion Johnson guy. I drafted him to trade him, basically, in in my dynasty league. But this offensive line, Evan, Evan Silva tweeted it today, should be the best one they had in many, many years. Taylor Decker, Ragnow moves to left guard because they have Graham Glasgow at center, TJ Lang, and Rick Wagner. That is a very solid offensive line. The fact that Carrion Johnson is going after LeGarrette Blunt in redraft leagues is crazy. He's a very talented guy. He's an upright runner from Auburn like Arian Foster. He has the patience of a Le'Veon Bell like you talk about. And this is a very good offensive line. Theo Riddick can't run the ball. 
LeGarrette Blunt can't catch the ball. LeGarrette Blunt's 31 years old. I think Carrion Johnson takes this job. He's a late round value. He's not a guy partner. You're going to start in week one. I understand that. But there's no reason to believe that if this Lions offense gets clicking and they have the best offensive line they had in a while, we're not talking about job at best. We're not talking about Michael Ashore. We now have a guy who's really talented and he's big. He can, he can do both. I think Carrion Johnson's a decent value. Yeah, I mean, solid plays there. I mean, Johnson definitely offers value. LeGarrette Blunt, no, I'll pass on that, John. Wide receivers. I'll go first here. I still like Kenny Stills. And listen, I'm not buying into the Miami offense. I understand that. But I think that Devontae Parker's time, I'm done with him. So I think Kenny Stills could have his largest target share. And he's a guy who makes plays. I'm looking at a very late round value for him. I'm not talking about reaching for Kenny Stills. But we're looking for possible breakout candidates. I think he can be a breakout candidate. He's in the 13th round right now. We're talking in standard leagues. He's in the 13th round. PPR about the same. So this is a guy who could have a big, big season. I don't know if it's going to be that like that way for many years. But he can. You read off the Green Bay schedule to me last time about the cornerbacks they're going to face. You know they're guarding Devontae Adams. If we assume that Aaron Rodgers is a really good quarterback, that means he's only thrown to a couple wide receivers. That means he's either throwing to... Uh, that means he's either he's either throwing to Randall Cobb, who you don't like, or possible to Jerome uh, Geronimo Allison. I think Geronimo Allison is a guy who can have a huge wide receiver two esque season. He played well for them last year. He showed a lot of potential. Jordy Nelson is gone. There's a lot of lockdown guys on Devontae Adams. You know Rodgers can sling it to him. Jimmy Graham's going to be a presence, but Geronimo Allison is a last round flyer that I think could have a big big year. And Randall Cobb Scott is on the last year of his contract. So they're not committed to Randall Cobb. Allison could see himself solidify a wide receiver role with the best quarterback in football. My last guy we talked about as well, Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones' efficiency is going to be faded for me. Galladay's making plays already in camp. He's a red zone guy. J.J. Zacharyson dubbed him Babytron. I think that's what he can be. I think Galladay's going to break out this year. Yeah, I mean, you know my feelings on Devontae Adams. I put put him as a guy that I expected not live up to the hype last week. Randall Cobb, never been a big Randall Cobb guy, so Allison's a great position there to explode and, and take that next step in the fantasy world. Like Green Chin Galladay, I'm not so much a Kenny Stills. It's too feast or famine for me, as you like to say, with a guy like Deshaun Jackson. For me, how about Will Fuller? You know, before Deshaun Watson got hurt, Will Fuller was second in the league in fantasy points per game. He had seven touchdowns before Deshaun Watson got hurt. The receiving yards weren't totally there. The targets weren't there yet, but the touchdowns were. He was targeted when it counted. That was in the red zone. Right now, you look at a Will Fuller being drafted as a 42nd wide receiver overall behind guys like Robbie Anderson, Randall Cobb. Devontae Parker, who are both down on, Emmanuel Sanders, Devin Funches. The list goes on and on. There are guys that are listed ahead of him in PPR leagues that make no sense to me. You get a healthy Deshaun Watson back. If he can repeat anything close to what he did last year, you have DeAndre Hopkins taking all the the attention from the defensive backs of the opposing teams for, for the Texans. Leaves Will Fuller the opportunity to make some noise and be productive if he's healthy on the field as well. And the other guy I like, Mark, he's good when I talked about Garoppolo. The games that Garoppolo started for the Niners last year, he targeted Goodwin 51 times. Goodwin had 34 catches, 545 yards, two touchdowns. He's being drafted behind guys like Full. He's a wide receiver, 44 in PPR leagues. This is going to be a guy. Look, Pierre Garçon is a very talented wide receiver, a very veteran wide receiver, but he's older. Goodwin has that home run threat, that home run threat speed. Garoppolo was able to find him plenty last year, and I think Marquis Goodwin, where he's being drafted, offers tons, tons of value here with a full year under the belt for Jimmy Garoppolo and a fresh start in the beginning of the season. Other guy, Paul Richardson, to talk about that a little bit last year. This is more of a hunch, hunch play for me. New face in Washington. Chance to compete with Crowder and Dotson and the like. I like Richardson's ability. I think he has a shot. Just to be a sneaky play, he's being drafted way late. So if you're looking for really some late round value, Paul Richardson, wide receiver for 67. So you're talking about, you know, sometimes not even getting drafted. So for me, Richardson's sneaky play, but I'm really big on Fuller and really, really big on Marquis Goodwin. I like all of those. And now we'll go to tight ends. My three. Love David Njoku. I see Jarvis Landry's volume dropping. I see him being a bust. And I think David Njoku is going to take another step forward. You know that Tyrod Taylor, who's the starting quarterback, loves his tight ends. He made Charles Clay a very viable tight end one last year when he was healthy. 
David Njoku has all the tools. He made a couple great catches last year. I think he can really take a step forward. I also like Vance McDonald of Pittsburgh. I'm buying into the fact that they like what they're getting from him. They used to use Heath Shula a lot. I think McDonald's a talented guy who came over late last year, and he's basically free, and he can break out. And my big one that I'm staying with, yes, Scott, on the Titanic, I'm going down yet again with Austin Hooper, and here's my rationale. First year, 19 receptions. Second year, 49 receptions. That's an increase of 30. First year, 271 receiving yards, second year 527 receiving yards, almost double. Tight ends have remained the same. Julio Jones will have his nagging injuries. You have the running backs there coming out of the backfield. You have Matt Ryan throwing to Sanu. You have Calvin Ridley. I think Austin Hooper can be safe for six touchdowns, seven touchdowns this year. He is free. No one is drafting Austin Hooper. Tight ends always take a while to develop. He has no challenges on the depth chart whatsoever. He's going to have a massive, massive snap share. I like Austin Hooper as well to take a big step forward. I have two for you. We agree on Vance McDonald for all the reasons you mentioned, so I won't repeat that. And then, you know, I like Trey Burton. Trey Burton's going into an offense he already knows. He understands the Matt Nagy offense. This will be easy transition for him. He can provide a nice safety blanket for uh, Mitchell Trubisky. To me, Burton here allows Allen Robinson and so forth. Then the wide receivers to open it up a little bit. Burton down the middle of the field. This is a solid wide uh, tight end pick here. Trey Burton He's going right around where guys like Jordan Reed are, Tyler Eifert, who can never stay healthy, uh, George Kittle, who went healthy, has the opportunity to produce, and then right behind a guy like Delaney Walker, who's aging, Kyle Rudolph, so forth. Like Trey Burton, it's a solid spot for him, and I think he'll produce there easily in Chicago with the Bears. Gosh, I just don't get it. Everybody loves Trey Burton. You're in the majority. I just don't get it. The guy had two touchdowns against uh, L.A., and then he had one against Denver. I just don't get it. I, I th- But splitting with Zach Ertz, who had an unbelievable year last year, now no longer there with Zach Ertz. He's by himself. He's the guy it's not learning a new offense, transitioning into one he already knows. It's a perfect situation for me, for him, for, I believe, for Trey Burton. So I'm not, lo- I'm not looking at 100 catches. I'm here, on the minority. But Everybody loves you, him. I just, yeah. I am not. You, you often are in the minority. I am. I that's fine. That's where I'm living. I'm like Lone Wolf. Remember Lenny and Squiggy, Laverne and Shirley? No? Okay. All right. <laughs> here we go. Fourth quarter. Post-hype sleepers, folks. We'll wrap it up here. These are guys who were supposed to break out. People thought were going to break out, and then they did not. So Scott and I have some post-hype sleepers for you. The first one I am sticking to is Jamison Crowder of Washington. He was last year. People were talking about him leading the league in receptions. I love Jamison Crowder. I am staying on the bandwagon, especially now when you have Alex Smith there who loves those short to intermediate routes. Give me a break. He was slinging it to Tyreek Hill. That was a product of Tyreek Hill being incredibly fast and Andy Reid's creativity. He's going to go there with Gruden. Jamison Crowder is finally healthy, and he performed last year when he was healthy. And Jamison Crowder struggled with the injuries, with the hamstrings the whole year. But when he was healthy, he actually did some really good things. If you look at his game log last year, all of a sudden, bang, nine catches, 123 yards against Dallas in week eight. Then the Giants, bang, seven receptions, 141 yards and a touchdown. He just wasn't healthy. I like the guy. He's the veteran. They're already talking about him guiding the receivers in camp. This is their go-to guy. He's number one. No more Terrell Pryor. Josh Dotson will be okay on the outside, but I'm staying with Jamison Crowder. Who do you got, partner? I like Mike Williams here to come back healthy. A lot of hype for him last year. Got injured. Really didn't get going at all, at least toward the end of the year. Getting him really, really late in drafts here. It's the Mike Williams potential. No Hunter Henry, so that opens up targets. You know, I'm not a believer in Virgil Green. We'll find out what the other tight end, tight end situation becomes if anybody else comes in. But you got Keenan Allen, and he's fighting with Terrell Williams. I think Mike Williams has a chance to really take that next step forward, explode, show the ability that he showed in college and why he was drafted so high by the Chargers. Healthy Mike Williams offers tons of value here. He's being practically ignored in redraft leagues. Second one I like is Duke Johnson. I've gone to this one several times, and you probably think I'm crazy because Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb. The Browns signed Duke Johnson to a three-year, $15.6 million contract with a $5 million signing bonus. Partner, you don't do that unless you're going to use him. Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb can fight it out for the goal line work. Duke Johnson and PPR is going to be dominant, despite the fact that he's never had a really great team to be on, and Despite the fact that he's being massively underused, this was a guy last year who ended up receiving a strong amount of targets. He had 93 
targets as a running back last year. That was fourth among running backs, 93. He had the third most amount of receiving yards, 693. He had the fourth amount of reception, 74. And he was only on the field 54% of the time. They're going to find ways to use Duke Johnson. I love him in Cleveland. I know there's a lot of weapons there, but I think Cleveland's actually going to put up some points like Duke Johnson here as a post-type sleeper for me. Yeah, my second and final one. I know you got a couple more. I only got two for you here. Sammy Watkins. The Chiefs didn't pay him all this money to come over here and be a guy that's going to get 60, 50, 60 targets. He's being brought in here to be the number one guy. I know Tyreek Hill's there. You and I both not big Tyreek Hill guys. We never have been, and we won't be. You bring in Watkins here with you know a $50 million contract. The naysayers are going to say, well, he's learning his third offense in three years. They have a brutal schedule when it comes to facing opposing defense. They have the worst-ranked schedule for fantasy wide receivers. Doesn't matter to me here. I, they have Chiefs and defense themselves is a little bit, you know, left to be desired. So there can be a lot of situations where Pat Mahomes can be throwing the ball often and often in these games. Watkins will be the guy he's going to start to target for these big plays. Look for him to get 90 to 100 targets. Look for him to produce top numbers on this Chief offense. And I think where he's being drafted offers tons of value here, despite the negative comments that you could see the tough schedule, the third offense, so forth. Sammy Watkins was not brought in here to be second fiddle to Tyreek Hill. The two I have left, Tyler Lockett. Now, I know they signed Brandon Marshall, but Tyler Lockett is a guy, when he was at Kansas State, was totally dominating. He did everything. He ran. He caught the ball. He returned kicks. He is a guy who can be a star. I expect him to finally break out. There is no Paul Richardson there. Brandon Marshall is old. Maybe he's a red zone guy. I think Tyler Lockett is a great value. If this isn't Tyler Lockett's year, then it's never coming. He's 25 years old. He's right in the middle of the age apex, 4.40 speed. I am buying Tyler Lockett, and I'm buying him for a very cheap price. And my last one, would this podcast be complete on post-type sleepers if I didn't say Randall Cobb? Oh, God. <laughs> Rand, oh, boy. I'm telling you, give me one more year. He's going to be motivated. I think he'll have a strong season. I'm starting to lean with you that Devontae Adams will not have the year that we think he is. So there's plenty of targets for Allison. Cobb can be very solid. I certainly see eight touchdowns in Cobb's future. It may be his last one in Green Bay. So, of course, partner, Randall Cobb. Yeah, well, you know I don't like Randall Cobb. You've been on him for eight straight years. But before we wrap this up, I'm going to put you on the spot. we got two Twitter questions. So oh, forth. nice. So, Great. So I'm going to draw these at you. I'm not sure if you've seen them or not. I didn't. I didn't. Go ahead. First off, it comes from at Currents 12 Will Russell Wilson stop running for his life this season? And who will get the red zone targets that were lost from Jimmy Graham? Well, I don't think we, we said the other day that – uh, Schottenheimer has not supported a lot of wide receiver ones in his life. I think those targets are actually going to the running backs. I could see Rashard Penny getting it. I could see Baldwin certainly getting his amount. I just don't think they're going to be divvied up. I'm not sure about Ed Dixon getting a massive amount of targets. So I'll stay safe. I'll stay with the running backs, um, you know, maybe even Chris Carson, and I'll stay with Doug Baldwin. And then at Eric at Touchdown Upside wants to know who your favorite late round target is. He usually spends a fourth or a fifth getting a stud tight end. He wants to know your late round tight end targets if he changes up his strategies. If he goes late round tight end targets, I said it before. I certainly think that Austin Hooper is worth a look. He's very late round. I like David Njoku as well. If you're scared off because of Cleveland and the quarterback situation, I think it's certainly reasonable there to look at Austin Hooper. And we mentioned before, how about Vance McDonald? Yeah, Vance McDonald is there. And folks, I want to also remind you to join us on Draft. Dot com. If you haven't, I know my partner already did. He signed up. He's got some best, best ball drafts going. Use the code PUTB on draft.com. You will get a free entry to a real cash contest with your first deposit of $5 or more. They have best ball drafts going all year long. Keeps you keeps you giving you action for fantasy football. Draft.com. Download the app. Go to the website. PUTB. $5 or more first deposit free cash entry and this is going to be fascinating i am not up yet with scott and i are in this uh, experts best ball dynasty draft first pick was ezekiel elliott it's 0.75 per reception you get a 0.25 for a carry todd Gurley went second we got another person on the clock one after that and then i'm up and then you are so it looks like i'm going to bed tonight without making my pick which is fine i got some more time to think about it yeah, it looks like I'll be making my pick early tomorrow afternoon. 33 rounds. We've got a long way to go, my friend, but 33 rounds of me behind you and you behind me. Sounds good. Pick it up, folks. We'll see you.